some kind of disturbance. I'm gonna go check it out. We request that everybody stays calm at the current moment. Who are you people? I want a coffee! You, you, you are now to 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 Where love and life come together. Come together. From the Spacebird Media Studios, it's Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Hey, we're Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. Welcome to the weekend. Hopefully you've bundled up wherever you are. I know most places have a little bit of a chill in the air, but uh, excited to be back. Thanks to Birmingham Mortgage Group and MyBrothersCup.com as uh, we get set for the weekend. How are you? If I were any better, there'd be trouble. You know, I'm in a good place. How about you? I'm good. Uh, Busy week, but, you know, what we knew October would be a little nuts. Uh, I was a little saddened uh, as a kid uh, growing up watching Three's Company, finding out the passing of Suzanne Summers, which I knew we had, you know, heard that she had been sick. But, you know, still, it's it's one of those when your icons die, a little piece of your childhood goes with it, you know. So just uh, just kind of a heavy heart with that, praying for her family this week. Chrissy Snow, you know, what an iconic character. And it takes somebody really smart and very talented to play a dumb blonde, so-called, and pull it off to have an endearing character. Super smart lady, you know, such an icon. I still have her thigh master and it still works. Really? (laughs) Yeah. You want to talk about iconic in the health field to helping people to be the healthiest they can be and then to have a 23-year breast cancer battle take you out. Really difficult. One of the things I just learned today is that her very best friend in this world, I didn't know this, was Barry Manilow. Barry Manilow says that Suzanne was the little sister that he never had. Mm. And they talked almost every day. So he's having a very, I mean, she's married for, I think it was 46 years to Alan, very Mm -hmm. close. But her best bud, Barry, is grieving and having the worst time over it. So you just feel for people. I think it's too young to go when you're a day before your 77th birthday. I think that's young. Wayne said, when did you think that 77 was young? I said, I don't know. Any any time you're 55 and older, I don't know. But the closer you get to that age, you always like, yeah, that's not too old. (laughs) That's a kid. If if I saw correctly, too, I think she was only on Three's Company for the first season. Like there was negotiation issues and some things that she just wasn't comfortable with. And so to think about how iconically attached to that show she has been her whole career, you know, that was, you know, decades ago. And she was only on for one season. That's the impact that an actress or an actor can have with a performance with an iconic character like that. And she was so real. If you saw her hawking her stuff on QVC, she would crack you up. She just mm-hmm. knew what women wanted and desired and shared it. So we really miss her. Very, very sad passing for Suzanne Summers. Well, we got to talk war, unfortunately, because it's at the heartbeat for evangelical Christians. I was doing some digging as we look at what Hamas has done to Israel and we look at the response on the Gaza Strip. of American evangelicals believe that we are living in the end times, and they feel like this is an escalation of that. And it's raw. It's it's a raw emotion looking at mothers and children and kidnappings and death. And and, uh, it's horrifying. And I thought, you know, 
how did Hamas pull this off? Think about it. How did they, the strongest military, Israel, in the Middle East, how did they do it? And I did a little digging, and it's stunning to me. Ten gunmen from Gaza went in on motorcycles after they blew a fence down with what looked like a giant tractor. They went in on motorcycles. They stopped and did a selfie of themselves. This is Hamas now went into Israeli intelligence, shot an unarmed guard. That was all that was there, the hub of their intelligence. Then they get in and the two guys aren't defending it. They're underneath a piece of furniture. They shoot them to death. Mm -hmm. And then they're in the central hub with all the computers of Israeli intelligence. Ten guys on motorbikes. Yeah. And it's like, this can't be happening. This cannot be That can't be real. And yet it is. And we see that it escalates and we see our president will be there this week. And our just it's. It breaks your heart. Yeah. So much hate because someone is Jewish. Well, and I was actually having we were talking about it the other night, just, you know, blown away by some of the things that were surfacing and. I realized, and again, not to make it about us Americans, but we really haven't had to suffer. We really don't know what it's like to be in those kinds of conditions where at any given moment, something like that can happen. Now, we've experienced some things like that, you know, 9-11 is an example. But again, and I'm not saying it that we, we need to have more struggles or whatever. No, I'm just saying, I don't know that I'd necessarily jump on the it's in times kind of stuff because I've been hearing that since I was six. But in that, it is once again, another reminder that it is one of the signs, one of the things that does remind us of the persecution that's going on in places where, you know, you feel like you're persecuted in the workplace by the person in the cubicle next to you. That's nothing compared to a situation like this. So I think or it's you're just the, hated because of who you are, where you yeah. live, and and the Jewish people, the the biggest number of deaths since the Holocaust kind of says it all. So we'll just continue to pray and and we know that that America's in support of Israel. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's a fact. So why are people losing their religion? It seems to be a theme of this show today as as we talk to our guests coming up. But they say there are four things, and I wanted to get your take on this. We're not going to go deep into it because I think our our guests can get to it. But the four primary reasons why people leave religion, intellectual issues. You know, I, I got into an argument with somebody once who said the ark is stupid. There's no way he could have built the boat alone. There's no way he could have loaded all these animals on it. They would have eaten each other. How stupid do you think I need to be to think that there was an ark? So there's an intellectual argument. Then religious trauma, you touched on that, I think, in last week's episode, very eloquently, by the way. I've watched it a couple of times. I'm like, ooh, go ace, go ace. (laughs) Talking about church hurt. You really need to preach on that sometime. Personal adversity. I guess people get bummed out and they stay home. And social reasons. And do you know what the social reason bugs the stew out of me? I'm I'm not yelling, but it bugs the stew out of me. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know what the social thing is? You've got one buddy who says, oh, let's go to brunch instead of church. And then you go. Hmm. What? Yeah. Well, and I've had this discussion with some friends about, you know, like when you sit in the the aisles next to someone that you don't agree with politically or, you know, relationally or whatever it might be that is a, a differentiation because of intellect. And we, and we do, we do over intellectualize God when we forget that it's more about faith on the things we can't see versus the things that we can. I mean, the word says that. So with that mindset, I think there are certain things that you can agree to disagree and then move on because you're only sitting next to them for an hour a week, or maybe you're in small group with them and you can just choose not to talk about things that you might intellectually disagree on. But again, the Bible talks about where two or more are gathered. There he is. The cool part is from the minute you walk into any church, regardless of religion, regardless of your background or your past experiences, you are coming together because of your faith. Hey, you love God. I love God. You follow Jesus. I follow Jesus. Bam. You already got two things in common. Holy Spirit in the midst of that brought you together. So there's a third. I mean, connect on the things of faith of, hey, what brought you to this church? Or, hey, how long have you lived in this you know, area or what, you know, those kinds of things. I mean, that's why I always say, don't judge people based on religion or politics, based on judgment, based on their music collection, you know, look <laughs> at their vinyl and, because it softens you, right. You know, you go have a beer or a burger or a cup of coffee and you chillax with someone because we're all hurting. We're all wanting things to, you know, be more than they are or forget about things that hover us. But I did hear something this week that, and I wanted your take on it, and it lines up with this a little bit, that for believers, and this is not my words, this is like paraphrased, but for believers, we are in the most hell we will ever experience. But for non-believers, you are in the most heaven you will experience. Now, regardless of where you are in religion, that that's not a theological stamp, but it just got me thinking of that. Okay. If I think I'm in the, an awful situation, whether it's work or relationships or whatever, or money, it doesn't matter. This is the, this is the wordest, the, the, the worst, the most painful thing that I could face because I know that when I'm done on this earth, I'm going to heaven and then it's all glorious. But my heart breaks at the thought of that someone lavishly has, you know, six figure salary and not a lick of faith in how they love or don't love or, or choose not to love God because of the intellectual things that we disagree on. You're going to let someone else's intellect keep you from following the God who is crazy about you and created you for a reason. So don't let this be the greatest that it's ever going to be. I mean, let's dream. You won't talk about dream big. Heaven is the ultimate destination. When we put our faith in material things, we're in a lot of trouble. Mm. A lot of billionaires surveyed say they're absolutely miserable because the more things we acquire, the more they had to keep up with it. They had to hire more people to keep up with all the stuff and it rots away. Yeah. What is a value in this life? A love of God, the creator of all things, who gives us all good things, our relationships with him and with others. Mm. That's what it's about. Do you have a friend who loves you? I do. I'm looking at his face right now. I'm like, it all worked out. 
But if if you have one friend, a lot of people say they don't even have one confidant. Well, when that happens, you say, Lord, I've got you and you made me. You Mm -hmm. made me in your image. I have worth and the Lord loves you. And to me, that helps on the really bad days. And you talk about, you know, it being hell on this earth. Well, sometimes he's using your tribulation as transportation to get you where you need to be. And also, I've gotten to the point in life where I feel like if I really get some negative blowback, it might be because the devil's mad. I mean, I got to my ministry Monday and had a lady just flat out threaten me. She told me where I was going to walk and where I wasn't going to walk and what I could say and what I could do. Mm -hmm. And she said, don't touch me and don't pray for me. And she she flat out threatened me. And I had to tell her, this is American. I'm going to walk where I want to walk and I'm going to pray that God sent me here to love people. And that's what I'm trying to do. And she found it highly disturbing. And you know what? Before, I think God had gotten all worked up or scared. Mm -hmm. And now I think, devil, you're mad. Yeah. Well, guess what? You're thrown into a lake of fire. I know what happens to you. And, you know, I go back to scripture in this world, we will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. Jesus has overcome it. Mm-hmm. And you and I have Jesus. Amen. Just as you were saying, when the car breaks down, when the house catches on fire, when we get a cancer diagnosis, we have Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. Well, and I know part of our routine in the mornings can be a big stumbling block for a lot of us, whether we're spending time with God or not. But there's one thing that we need to stop doing if we want our mornings to be better. Here are the stats. 80% will see if it's you of those 18 to 44. First thing you do is check the phone. You look at your emails, then your social media in that in that. Uh, succession, what happens to you is number one, increased stress. And number two, research shows it interferes with your ability to prioritize tasks. Mm. That's awful. And so we're getting into a really cranky mindset the second our eyeballs open. Yeah. Yeah. I've found that like I have it set. So like, you know, the coffee goes off like 15 minutes before I do. So that way, by the time I get out, all I have to do is grab my cup and I can sit in my chair and either thumb through my phone or, you know, read a little Devo or whatever it might be. But I'm also finding it, and this is going to sound so elementary, but it helps me, is instead of being social media first, I have some game apps on my (laughs) phone that my daughter's got me into and I play them first. So like, it's a way to like wake up my brain while I'm drinking my Mm -hmm. coffee so that maybe it's. 30, 40 minutes before I even look at headlines or social media or whatever. But I also, and again, elementary of in my brain, but this, it works for me. So try it if you need to, I go back (laughs) and thumb through the memories on social media. So the first thing I look at is not Uh new stuff. I reminisce with pictures of Tawny and the kids or things the girls did when they were toddlers and, you know, and then it, it warms my heart and happy. And I'm like, God, thank you for, and then I, you know, and that, that experience, cause I can f- refeel all of those goodies before I let any negativity or something else, you know, throw up on me. 
Starting from a place of gratitude. And that's what our friend Turan Newell does every day. You know, at one time he worked at a bank and then he started out on his own. And now he has a major league company that is just burning the barn doors down. It's called mm. Birmingham Mortgage Group in Alabama, in Florida. What is next? I don't know. But that's what happens when you're brilliant, you're kind, you love the Lord, you're a good family guy. And the best friend anybody could have. And that's our friend Turin Newell. Yeah. And the thing I love too is even after you know, we got into our house or Turin would like check in, like stories that you share when you're going through the process as he gets to know your family. Like he's like, Hey, how's the kids doing? And then you tell him. And you know, and so I love that because again, while you may not need him today you may need him six months from now because you've already been thinking and you're like, yeah, it'd be great to refinance, save a little money, put some aside for, you know, vacations or kids college. And you want to make sure that you're getting the best deals and he can help make that happen. So check him out, behammortgage.com or call Turin today. Tell him you heard about him on Roxanne and Ace at 205-259-1656. You know, my husband, Wayne, and I have epic day-long dates. We just love it. We made a commitment early on that we were going to keep our marriage fresh by doing new things. But people get all up in my beeswax and say, (laughs) well, y'all must have a lot of money to spend to do all that stuff. We don't have... Listen, date ideas that don't break the bank. Are you ready? The beach or a park? Now, the beach for us might break a bank because you got to go there and find a place to stay. Yeah. The park is another thing. We have the most wonderful parks. I mean, there's a park called Or Park for mm-hmm. free. You can go and look at the trees turned into sculptures. They're amazing. They're funny. Yep. They're touching and they don't cost you anything. Go see a tree. You're going to feel better. Go see a tree. Put that on a t-shirt. Well, and I also too, you know, a lot of times, you know, couples that care about, you know, same causes, you know, go serve together, whether that be, you know, in a kitchen or, you know, at your own church, even, I mean, that that's a big part of it. But as you're doing things together, it doesn't have to cost anything. Go to a farmer's market. We've got a lot of great ones around here and the plants you can get and the the tomatoes, you're going to buy tomatoes anyway. Why not buy them fresh from the farm? It just feels good to be outdoors. Go to a concert in the park. The Alabama Symphony just blesses everyone with these mm. incredible concerts. They're free. Yeah. You bring your chair and you enjoy it and you make it a family event every year. Go on a hike. Have a movie night. And I'm not just talking Netflix and chill, which is really fun. But a lot of the local theaters have $5 and $7 nights. Yeah. Now, I will never go as senior anything, but <laughs> yeah, there are senior nights where you can go for almost nothing and you're supporting your local theater. They wouldn't believe you if you showed up for senior night anyway. They're like, oh, sorry. I not love a, you. You're not I allowed in you. here. You, Ooh, you have to go next you. door to the 20-somethings. <laughs> So the secret to unshakable confidence, have Ace McKay as a friend who (laughs) takes care of you uh, every day. Unshakable confidence, the experts say, is all about facing your fears and doing it. And I'll give my husband a lot of credit. Heights are not his thing. But all of the kids, this is one activity we did with all the kids. We're a blended family and they're older kids. What do you do together? So we went ziplining. Mm. 
And this is a man who does not like heights. Now, the only part of it he had troubles with was it was like a ladder that was horizontal. And so you were aware that you were way up walking on this ladder that had holes. Yes, Mm -hmm. you were zipped in. Right. He didn't like that. But he wasn't a baby and he wasn't a wimp and he did it. And I'm proud of him. You know, he's braver than I. That's that's (laughs) anything that's at an angle or anything that's of height oriented. Because I'm one of those, like, even when I go to concerts, because, you know, I can't, you know, even like with the price of shows these days, you know, I can't get on the floor or the lower tier. So I'm up in the nosebleeds with, you know, the college kids. But when I'm up, as long as I look down, I'm okay. While I might be like a little shaky, I at least know there's like seats in front of me. But if I look up into the rafters, like my like my vertigo is like wow. weird, and I'm like, is this what's being in your fifties at a concert? It's like, like I, I don't I don't know that I like that. So you know, I just look at the band, move on with the day. Well, we're going to go back to talking just a little bit about smartphones for a moment because I find this stunning. 43% of those surveyed have no idea how people raise their kids before everybody had a smartphone. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what? I, I I guess this does make me older because I'm going to go to my smartphone for what about my kid? But apparently, and you're younger than me, so maybe you do this more than I did. People need advice on their kids and they google it i don't know i just didn't that never occurred to me really uh yeah I is mean, that true i i, I don't google parenting <laughs> advice i i typically try to press into god a little more because thank you his advice is a little better than google because um, <laughs> you don't know who typed it but i i will say this the the idea with technology like i i was you know, as a kid, you know, I think about the fact that, you know, I had a Nintendo and I had my CD player, my TV in my room, and that was my sanctuary. Right. And I loved all my little things. But the idea of, you know, the permanent angle of a child's head into their device drives me crazy. And and I guess from now till Jesus comes back, we're always going to have to say, put the device down, do your chores, put the device down, take a shower. Put the device mm-hmm. down. Do you know, like that's just where we're at now. But in that, I love being able to teach kids how like I want to see like, hey, what what games are you playing? What social media stuff, you know, are you seeing? Because it opens conversations because there's gonna come a time when I'm not there, or actually most of the time I'm probably not there. And it's, you know, they're with their friends and they're like, oh, look at this, and you know, and and whatever. But I want them to have that filter that when the Holy Spirit goes, you shouldn't look at that, or you shouldn't read that, or you shouldn't download that, like that they have to create that filter. So I will say, knowing that technology is here to stay and it's only going to get more advanced, we have to help create that filter for them so that they're making better choices. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited, our glorious, big, gracious God, sends us the most wonderful people to talk to so we grow and learn. Today is certainly no exception. You won't believe who his mama is, but we're going to get to that, okay? 
Our guest is amazing. He heads out of Chattanooga, Tennessee, Precept. A lot of you are familiar with that. They do Bible studies. They're concentrating now on Gen Zs and millennials, and he is here to explain that, the president and CEO of Precept Ministries. Before that, he worked for IBM and small businesses, was a pastor, worked for a nonprofit called Generous giving. So he's got a lot to say, and we're absolutely thrilled to have with us David Arthur. Hi there and welcome. Thank you so much. It's good to be here. So David, earlier in the show, we were talking about a recent survey about how Gen Z and and other, uh, anything beyond, I think Gen X is kind of turned, not kind of, they've turned from religion and really kind of exiting the church at a fast pace. Yeah. I'd love your take on why that is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I don't claim to have uh, a complete finger on the pulse. Um, we we did partner up with Barna Research Group uh, and did a extensive nationwide uh, research on the 20s and 30s. Um, we, we focused in more on those who are active faith adults, which means They've got a relationship with Jesus that's demonstrated through prayer, Bible study, going to church on a somewhat regular basis. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the group that we looked at. Um, of course, I've heard the reports that you're re- referring to and uh, always have my ear to the uh, to the street to see what's going on. And I think they're, what we discovered is it's not that they're an anti-God generation at all. Um, in fact, the, the research came back and said they're very curious. 70% of these uh, these 20s and 30s uh, really want to know what God has to say in his word about things that they deal with in their life. So mm-hmm. I'll pause there to kind of make an emphasis. It's not, I just want to know what God's word is, which is kind of my generation uh, and others. But they want to go to God's word. They want to hear specifically from God on specific things that they're really wrestling with. And so the sad thing is, is about 66 percent of them say, you know, but when I open up my Bible and I start reading, I'm lost. And so, you know, so I'd say it's a generation that's curious. They're skeptical. And, you know, I'm not surprised, Um, you know, (laughs) the Christianity that they've experienced in the past couple of decades is worthy of skepticism in a lot of ways, but, mm-hmm. but they're hungry and, and there's an appetite there. And so there, there's a desire for something spiritual, something outside of themselves, kind of looking for the another, but, uh, but not within themselves. And so there's a real, I think there's an appetite there that uh, the Lord is growing and, um, and we're excited to help feed that appetite. That is so encouraging. So one of the things people say they don't know where to start. How are you going about helping them to know where to start? Yeah, so uh, we, we're developing a whole new brand called Yaro. That's Y-A-R-R-O-W. And you can check it out the website, yaro.org. But we're starting this whole brand with the voice of a guide. Uh, and so what we discovered is they don't want to be told what to believe, which no surprise there, but they are asking for help because they say, we just don't know what voice to listen to, where to go. Uh, And so when they, you know, over a third of them say, when I go to church, it doesn't seem like the pastor and the sermon has anything to do with what I'm experiencing. So where do we start? And so what we do is we come alongside them using the method that precept, uh, has been working with called the, we call it the precept Bible study method. It's really inductive study, kind of with our own twist. 
been doing it for 53 years now, and we've adapt, translated it, I'd say, hmm. uh, into this culture. So there's a sense of which we want to come alongside. We want to know what are their questions that we're looking at, and let's take them to God's word, but not in a pat answer, here's your verse, question solved. We take them into a chunk of text, and we walk through that text, and we want them to discover the truth for themselves, not us tell them what it means. Uh, and so, for example, our first series in Yarrow is on identity. Who am I, right? Uh, and that's a huge question. You know, Gallup poll two years ago came out and said uh, 10, 20% of Gen Z are sexually confused, whether that be who I'm attracted to or what am I, uh, male or female. Uh, you go up another generation to millennials, it's 10%. And so there's obviously a huge question out there, and there's so many voices coming at them. I mean, my generation was hit with 500 ads a day, and this generation, they're saying, is is over 5,000 a day. Mm. So just think of you know all the information coming at them, and it's not all good. Yeah. Uh, and so they're they're actually raising their hand saying, I, I want help. And so Precept stepping in with Yarl to say, we'll serve as a guide. Not to tell you what things mean, but to kind of lead you into that journey. And we jump into chunks of text, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. We get into some Psalms like Psalm 139. You know, you shaped me, you formed me in my mother's womb. You know my thoughts, you care for me. And then we take them into places like Ephesians 1 and 2. And, you know, who am I in Christ? You know, I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, you know, in Christ. I've been redeemed, reconciled, you know, chosen. So we walk them through uh, some of that text. And again, acting as a guide, helping them to see the truth for themselves. David, I, I not, again, not to give Gen Z or as someone who has teenage kids at home, I don't want to give them an excuse not to be reading their Bible. But how much of it is a generational passing of the torch? Are they seeing us? Are we representing in our own faith? And are they seeing us not only reading, but hungry and then applying God's word to our lives? Yeah, great question, Ace. They, one of the things we learned in their survey is that what they value, one of the things that they value most is authenticity. Mm -hmm. So if we as parents or grandparents or older generation are saying, you need to be in your Bible you need to be following Jesus, and they don't see that in our own lives, whether that be literally reading my Bible, literally bringing in truth into decisions and conflict and questions that, that you know that we you know we discuss together. Then yeah, they're going to raise the fake flag and say, you know, I don't, you're not doing it, so it doesn't seem to be really you know making a huge difference in your life. So why? Why are you saying I should be in it? So, but I, so I, I do think, you know, and that's a, a, I'm in that generation. So I have children that are in their twenties and thirties. And I, and I think that's important that, you know, we authentically believe in the gospel and we authentically say there is truth. There is life here and, and found in God's word and, um, and see what it's doing to me. Uh, what a great testimony. Well, I think it's interesting because that certainly is a generational truth for you, uh, being the child of of Kay Arthur, uh, Jack and Kay Arthur. You know, Kay was such an influence. 100 plus books. She's 89 now, about ready to be 90. How is your mom and how has the legacy of her life 
affected you? I know these are big questions, but <laughs> we're just so excited to, to, we feel like we're getting close to her by getting to visit with you. <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, her impact, her and my father's impact, uh, uh, you know, I'm so grateful for it. Um, I'm not one of these uh, Christians that said I had this huge wild streak in my life and doesn't mean I didn't do stupid things, you know. Uh, but, um, you know, they brought, they introduced me to Jesus and his word, uh, when I was a young teenager and, uh, obviously introduced me as all the way from birth, but, um, and really modeled for me uh, my mom has, you know, she still, um, reads her Bible every day. She in chunks of it, you know, she's not doing a devotion. She is, you know, the other day she said, you know, I was in Isaiah, and I was just blown away. And I'm thinking, you've written studies on Isaiah, you know, um, <laughs> you've done conferences on Isaiah. And she was still <laughs> learning. So that that appetite, that hunger, that dependence on God's word uh, modeled for me. Yeah, it made a huge impact uh, for me. That's good. What would you say? Because, again, you know, we're to some, we would, the three of us are, you know, we're the old farts in the room and like, ah, what do you know about Jesus? And I don't know, dead. But, but I know, you know, in, in passing the torch, I, I want my kids to be comfortable in their own skin and I want them to be strong in their faith so that when they make decisions, they have that peace yeah. and anytime. And, and I, and I've got the gamut, I've got teens and adult kids and it's always the, where's your peace? before you press forward, what mm -hmm. are verses or where, where can Gen Z start in finding their peace when they read yeah. the word? Yeah. It's funny. You ask that peace uh, is one of the anxiety is one of their biggest issues. So uh, one of our series on faithful living, um, we spend a lot of time in um, it's actually a study. I'm sorry. It's an actual study. It's going to be on our app that will be coming out later this year. And it's, um, the, the the title is adulting so uh and and it's kind of it kind of comes at the whole i've just left the house um, maybe i'm in college maybe i've just got my first job um out of school and you know oh no i gotta pay bills oh no i've got to manage conflict on my own oh no i've got to make decisions without you know having mom and dad right there at my side to help me and so we walk them to this day but we spend a lot of time uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, uh, I don't know if you remember in Matthew chapter six, Jesus is going to say over and over again, do not be anxious. Uh, and and the way he backs that up is this, look at the sparrows, uh, you know, look at the flowers. Aren't they beautiful? I care for you so much more. Um, you know, don't be anxious. So we'll walk them through that. We'll take them through a case study uh, of uh, Daniel. And how Daniel was cared for and think about his life, you know, 70 years, that book covers 70 years of his life going through kingdom after kingdom after kingdom after kingdom. Uh, and yet he knew throughout the whole thread of that story uh, is God is on the throne. Uh, yeah, there are kings and kingdoms that come and go, but his kingdom will endure forever. So we we kind of walk them through that. So I, it, it's not like a verse, you know, like like a, something you put on a bumper sticker necessarily yeah. or a t-shirt. It's more of, we want to develop an appetite and a habit of going into God's word, digging out for ourselves so that they can, you know, deepen. I mean, honestly, we want them to have a deeper relationship with God. Um, and we think that manifests peace and shalom and, you know, I can trust, I can walk 
the path he's put out before me. Amen. I think these materials sound so valuable. How can people get in touch, get more information, and get involved with Precept? Yeah, very simple. Two websites. Uh, for Yarrow, it's yarrow.org. Uh, for Precept, it's precept.org. That's P-R-E-C-E-P-T. Both of those websites are great. They'll have you know everything you're, you're looking for. But we have uh, we'll have a, an app that's coming out. It's going to have daily growth studies using the same uh, inductive method. It'll have a, a planted series, which is topical, but yet, you know, maybe it lasts a couple of hours. So you could spend it over a week or two. And then we've got grounded studies, which are a little more in depth. They're beautiful. Y'all, they are gorgeous, well laid out photography, really nice bindings. Uh, yeah, tickle to death. And then, of course, the app. Um, I can't wait for it. It's going to be great. That's awesome. David Arthur has been our guest. Uh, hug your mom for us. And thanks for your time, buddy. <laughs> We will. Take care. And as we wrap up today, we want to do so with, of course, a cup of the Roxanne blend of coffee. Life mm. is not complete without it. It's yep. that good. People say, yeah, right. Okay. It's another coffee. You smell this coffee down the hallway and are like, yes. what is that? It's the smell is incredible. You're not a coffee drinker, but you'll really smell it all day. I mean, you'll, you'll do your French press but this thing, Ace, it's so good. I got to pick it out. It sends missionaries around the world to proclaim the gospel of Jesus. It has my mm -hmm. name on it. It's a pretty bag. It has butterflies on it. Yeah. When people get that as a gift, they love it. Yeah. No, it's a great gift. And and I will say, it. you know, as someone who drinks it black, it's nice that, you know, the smell, the aroma is there. It's not there <laughs> because of the eight ounces of creamer that I put in there. <laughs> But uh, it, it's great. So if you want to find out more, you can go to RoxanneAndAce.com or MyBrothersCup.com and get yours today. Maybe they need to serve it in fast food dining rooms, and that would help to keep them alive because they are going away. People are not eating in a fast food dining room, yep. not nearly as much. Chick-fil-A, I know your favorite Ace, is testing out two new concepts in Atlanta and New York for mobile ordering. The concept is a pickup only services. You you already do this. You pay online mm -hmm. and they bring you the food. They want to do more of this. And then Chick-fil-A is going to go to four lanes of mobile ordering. Four lanes? Yeah. It'll be like a mecca highway. Well, and I as I was, you know, reading over this this morning, I was thinking, okay, I don't know that I remember the last <laughs> time that I actually sat in a fast food restaurant and ate. You know, like I remember, you know, as a kid or as a teenager, you know, Friday nights, you were at the Pizza Hut or the Taco Bell and, you know, and that was going somewhere. And now everything is, you know, get, download the app because when you get rewards and, you know, to be able to just pull right up, they have, oh, Ace, here's your food. And, you know, and I, and then when it comes to Chick-fil-A, you know, the kids and I, like we barely even get out of the parking lot and it's like, you know, and we've already inhaled it. So why go take up a whole table for 30 seconds of <laughs> meal time? So I don't well, know. The only thing that gets me is way back in the day, that was a really cheap play date because you could get together mm. and like the McDonald's played and jumpy things. And sure. now everybody doesn't want to wipe everything down for no. germs first. And you're like, he's been in there. You know, it's like the whole Chuck E. Cheese jump in the in the balls kind of thing. Pit, it's yeah. like, oh, what, what? <laughs> you know, so times are changing and we're not doing that as much anymore. But oh, well, it's all OK. 
It's all right. I do really want to go play in a ball pit right now, though, but uh, I'll make sure to wipe it all down. Thanks for listening. Make sure to subscribe, like, and follow us so you don't miss out on future episodes. Go back, listen to what you might have missed, and we'll see you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Thanks to Birmingham Mortgage Group and My Brother's Cup. Roxanne, I love you. I love you too, Ace. You've been listening to Roxanne and Ace Unlimited. To make sure you don't miss future shows, you can subscribe anywhere you like to podcast and catch up on anything you've missed. Find out more at RoxanneAndAce.com. Roxanne and Ace Unlimited is a production of Spacebird Media.